turn the mic off. She's giving me subtle clues here. <laughs> it's good to see you, buddy. It's been a long time. You're like a man. Like, last time I saw you, you were a young man. Like, now you're a man. What happened? Time flies. Whew. Everybody good? You want breakthrough? I mean, want breakthrough. I, I don't know. If, if you don't want breakthrough, then maybe we need to stop and, like, lay hands on you, anoint oil. Like, I don't, I, you, you guys that have been around for a while, you know that I don't do church just to do church. I, I don't believe in that. Um, there are times that I have done church because I know I should. I didn't feel it, but I did it because I knew it was the right thing to do. So that's okay. If you're there, it's all right. But I don't like to do church just to do it. I, I really, first of all, I love the Lord, and I know you all do too. And I love being with his people. It helps me. It strengthens me. <clears throat> and so um, today I, I really want to get into a topic. It's probably going to be a little bit more scientific than usually what I do. But um, I've had these uh, notes in my, in my uh, queue for a couple of years, and I feel like now's the time to, to pull these out. <clears throat> I want to see breakthrough, and I think the Lord gave me some keys. Uh, I feel like a lot of us have been in a tough season, and, you know, a few weeks back, maybe it was a month or so ago, I, I spoke on pivot points and how when you go through those trials and you go through those seasons of testing and hardship, what you really believe is elevated in, in your life. Like, you know, someone can say, well, I believe in divine healing, and when you go through a time of sickness, you find out whether we believe in divine healing or not. We believe in prosperity, but then when we're drowning in debt, we find out whether or not we really believe it or not. Those are pivot points. And what we believe in those moments are, are elevated. And that it causes what I call a pivot point where we have a choice. <clears throat> we can go one way or the other. Unfortunately, there are people that I love, people that are close to me that I have seen through the last year, two years, go through tough seasons. And some of it seemed like it was out of nowhere. And they had a pivot point. And, and they, they chose the wrong direction. And, and your heart breaks for those people, right? And, and I know some of us, maybe, maybe the Lord was really wanting to increase our authority in an area. And we came to that tight, because going into the kingdom is narrow, it's tight. How many believe that? The, the word says that Jesus says, for narrow is the way and straight is the gate that leads to eternal life. So when we go through those straight and narrow places where we feel like we're being squeezed and almost feel like we're dying. Have you ever been, you've been there? You literally feel like you're dying? Well, we are. Because with every death, there's a resurrection. So we go through that season of dying and then we come out on the other side where it's no longer straight and narrow. It's limitless possibilities because nothing's impossible with God. And nothing's impossible to those that believe. And so I've been looking at these things and assessing them. And, and I, I, I stumbled across a word a few years ago called cognitive dissonance. And I don't know if you ever heard that term. Um, it's a psychological term. I, I unfortunately tr attempted to take some psychology classes in, in college. And it, that was one of the hardest classes I ever had to take. It was so difficult. I felt like I am so dumb. Like I don't, cognitive dissonance and you're just saying it you sound smart until they ask you what it means and you, it's just unbelievable and so I want to talk about that today and what that looks like in the terms of tight tough seasons and those pivot points so father we first we just want to tell you we love you and and you know I, I, I pray this on my own but I want to pray it now it is an honor for me to speak your truth I don't take it lightly and I don't want to add anything of mine to it. And I don't want to take anything away from what you have. So today, I just, I just want you to know that I, I respect your truth. I respect your word. And I want to handle it well today. And God, I pray that, that it would unlock people's hearts. Maybe they're in that tough season or that pivot point, And there's this cognitive dissonance that's going on inside of them, this turmoil. And I pray today, Lord, that it will come alive. That your word would come alive in them. That it would produce fruit. God, I ask that you would send Holy Spirit to those friends and loved ones that have, have stepped away from you. We send your Holy Spirit to them now to woo them back. <laughs> and God, I pray today, the, the last thing I ask for is that you give us all boldness and courage, that we would be brave today, that we would be brave and stand upon your promises. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> if you want to open, uh, I've got quite a few scripture references, and I am, I, I don't always read them. I know sometimes I, I just quote them from memory, but today I'm probably going to read through a lot of these. It's the first place we'll go is James chapter 1. 
So that's right after Hebrews, towards the end of the New Testament. It's James chapter 1, and then we will also be in Romans 7 and 8. All right? There may be a couple other places we go, um, but I don't want to overwhelm you right now with six addresses. So we'll go James 1, and we'll do uh, Romans 7 and 8. Amen. James 1, verse 1. And James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes who are scattered abroad, greetings. And then here comes the most discouraging words in the Bible. (laughs) Consider it all joy when you encounter various trials. Well, thanks for that, Lord. I appreciate you encouraging me with that. Consider it all joy. And, and uh, one translation says diverse trials. So not only do you get trials, you get all kinds of trials. How I many know that if, if I kept facing one type of trial, I might get some kind of strength built up inside of me where like, okay, I can handle this one thing. And if it's always physical, like I can handle the physical, but then all of a sudden it becomes emotional and we're like, oh my God, I don't know what to do. And then it shifts from emotional to all relationships. Oh, I don't know what to do there. Right. And we face these various and diverse trials. And he told us your attitude in that should be joy. (laughs) Now, joy and pleasure are very different things. See, pleasure can be, can, can, can come and go. Like, if I like a certain kind of food, let's say steak, for instance, right? You know, who likes steak? Yeah, just a nice steak. Right now, I could just, oh, medium rare, the juice is dripping from it, yeah. <laughs> you all went there with me. If you don't like meat, how could you not like meat after eating steak? So when I eat steak, right, it's true. You get a good steak, you're not going to be vegetarian. <laughs> this is the truth, right? There's no salad that can make me not want meat. But steak is so good, it can make you not want to be vegetarian. So that just proves the argument right there. <laughs> but, but pleasure comes from eating the steak. Now, I take that bite, and it's with me for a few seconds. But what's required for pleasure to continue? Another bite. So much so that when your wife buys steak, and you look at how much you bought, you're like, that's not enough steak. I want more pleasure than that. I want more steak than that. Joy is not like pleasure. You don't have to keep partaking of something for it to replenish. Joy has its own supply. So when we go through these diverse trials and these testings and these situations that aren't fun, he didn't say take pleasure in that. He said take joy. You need to dig really deep and find something. Find a reservoir. The Bible says that out of your belly will flow rivers. So in that season, we have to figure it out. I don't know how you, what, what it takes for you to figure it out. What it takes, what, I may be different than you. But there are certain things that I have to learn. I have to go through. When Jared needs joy, when Jared needs to reconnect with the joy of the Lord, there are things that I know I need to do for me that works for me with my personality, with my history with God. So if you're going through a time where you feel, man, I'm going through diverse, trial, diverse trials and various things, and I'm not considering at all joy right now, I'm actually hating this, then find however you can to reconnect with the joy of the Lord. I do know that joy from the Lord always follows obedience. Just that's a fact. So if, if I find that I'm lacking joy in my life, then I need to retrace my steps and say, okay, did I disobey him? Did I, or did I not do something he wanted me to do? Because sometimes it's that. Sometimes it's, it's something we just, he really made an opportunity for us to take, take this opportunity. And we said, no, I don't want that. And all of a sudden we're depressed and we don't know why. Why am I so discouraged? Because that stepping through that door of obedience would have unlocked a new season for our life. And our, and our spirit is mourning Our spirit is mourning our disobedience and sorrow comes from it. So if we're missing joy, reconnect, find out a place of obedience or a place where we didn't do what we should and reconnect. So consider it all joy when you go through these trials. Why? Verse three tells us because the testing of your faith produces endurance. We want to be endurance athletes in the the kingdom, right? Spiritually, I want to be an endurance athlete. I don't want to be a sprinter in the kingdom. I want to be an endurance athlete. I want to be one of those super marathon runners that runs a marathon every day. 
I read a story of a couple, they're like 68 and 70 years old, and they literally for a year ran a marathon every day at 68 and 70 years old. And I was thinking, oh my gosh, I can't run one in a year. If I added up days consecutively, I wouldn't get to one in a year. And these guys, that's all they did. They would wake up, they would fuel their bodies, and they would run all day. They'd run their marathon, go home at night, fuel their bodies, go to sleep, and wake up and do it again the next day. 68 and 70 years old. I'm like, how in the world do these people do it? I want to be that type of an athlete when it comes to my spirit walk. I want to be an endurance athlete. I want to be one of these super marathon runners, right? And that comes from having joy in these trials. (laughs) Endurance must be perfected so that we may be perfect and complete, not lacking anything. We want to be perfect, not lacking anything. I, I do. I I don't want people to say, man, that Jared, he's a really good guy, but, (laughs) you know what I'm talking about? (sighs) If any of you lacks wisdom, verse 5, let him ask of God who gives it generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. If you don't know what to do right now, the Lord is longing, like he's drooling to give you wisdom. Just ask him for it. He'll tell you. When you ask, you must ask in faith, not doubting. For anyone who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man should not think that he will receive anything from the Lord. So when we doubt, when we ask with doubt, our doubt nullifies our faith and keeps us from connecting to the promises, right? And then verse 8 says, He is a double-minded man and therefore unstable in all of his ways. There's a lot there to chew on, and I could spend a lot of time and just teach the word there. But I wanted that to be the foundation of, of, of what I'm speaking about. When I said cognitive dissonance, let me, ex- let me define what that is. And I didn't know this until I had to look it up, right? Cognitive dissonance is a psych- psychological term or theory that describes the turmoil that comes from conflicting attitudes, beliefs, and behaviors. In other words... Cognitive dissonance comes when in my head, I know that God is the healer, yet in my experience, I'm looking and someone's not being healed. That's cognitive dissonance. Like, I know this, but I don't see it. There's a disconnect. So what happens is we look for ways to relieve the tension that comes from those things. Some good, some bad. Now, um, in the kingdom, cognitive dissonance is kind of par for the course, because the Bible is very, uh, is very much full of tension. Like Jesus tells his disciples, go and sell your swords and sell all your possessions. And they're like, okay. And then he tells them, and they didn't do anything with it. They didn't do anything with the swords. They just carried them around. Then he tells them, now go and buy swords. And they're like, well, you just told us to sell them. He's like, but yeah, now I'm telling you to go buy them. The kingdom says, if you want to live, you have to die. That doesn't make sense. If you want to be the greatest, if you want to be a leader, what do you have to be? You have to be a servant first. The scripture, I I mean, we could go on all day, literally, of these things through the Bible, where it looks like, the Bible sure does contradict itself. No, the Bible doesn't contradict itself. The, The tension of both truths is what holds truth in its place. Rejoice with those that rejoice, mourn with those that mourn. Well, which is it? Whatever the occasion requires, do it. If someone near you is mourning, mourn with them. Then you turn around and someone's rejoicing. It doesn't matter how you feel. Isn't that cool? It's not attached to whether we feel like doing it or not. It just says if someone's mourning, mourn with them. If someone's rejoicing, rejoice with them. Right? And the kingdom is full of this tension. So cognitive dissonance, that the, the two truths being real, and the tension that comes from that is, is always going to happen in the kingdom. And that's why he says, and it's Matthew 4, 4, it says, man shall not live by bread alone. If you know it, finish it with me. But by every word that proceeds of the mouth of God. That word proceeds is different than the word that precedes. So when I have the word of God hidden in my heart, that's the preceding word of God. I've taken your word, O oh Lord, that I, I've hidden it in my heart that I won't sin against you. So I've taken a, and I've created a reservoir in my heart for his word. But what happens if 
that word he gave me yesterday was you're in a season of of being hidden and no one no one's going to hear your voice during this season and then the proceeding word of the lord comes and says it's time for you to speak again they're both true so which is it it's what the lord is currently speaking to you right this second now the key to this is to realize that the the voice of the lord is current and it's alive it's not stagnant on a piece of paper what tends to happen in, in Christianity and church, and in, in we do this, we hold ourselves to the, the stagnant word, and I don't mean the word stagnant, I mean the, the written letter of the word, and we hold ourselves to it when maybe the Lord's changed and he's saying something new to us. And then we build this culture that says, well, if you're mourning, then there's something wrong with you because we're all rejoicing. There's something wrong with you. No, there's nothing wrong with them. They're mourning. And it's legal for them to mourn. And then if everyone is in sorrow and repenting and crying out to God and saying, Oh God, we're so wicked and we can't be like you. And, and that's a place of repentance in the church. And then someone rises up and they get a revelation that says, You're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. All of us over here in, in sackcloth and ashes in mourning can't, and, and repentance can't look at that person and say, You're a heretic. You don't love the Lord or fear the Lord. They're in a different season. And I want you to see that, 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 that we have to be able to live with this cognitive dissonance in the kingdom where there's tension. And it requires the voice of the Lord for us to, to, to uh, steward the waters that we live in. It requires the current active voice of the Lord to, to maneuver ourselves through the series of uh, things that we're going through in life. We can't just say, well, the Bible says here. Yeah, the Bible does say there. But is the Lord echoing that in your spirit right now? How many have ever tried to apply a, a truth from the scripture to a season and it just didn't seem to do anything? Like, I know it's the voice of the Lord. I know it's his word, but it's not like it's there's no edge to the sword or to the axe right now. And I'm trying to cut this root down and I'm using the word and it's not being effective. Does it make the word ineffective? No, get a different word. Amen. So we go through these seasons and and it's almost like we're double minded. Like, man, I really believe this, but I'm experiencing this. Good. You're in the kingdom. There's there's going to be tension. Can you maintain your belief about who God is in the middle of tension? Jesus Culture just came out with a new worship album. And at the end of one song, one of their worship leaders discussed how they, their child was born and, and lived for a few days and then it passed away. And they were all laying hands on this child and believing for healing and believing for deliverance and miracles to happen for this child. And it didn't happen. The child went ahead and died. And they, you know what they did? Instead of staying in a place of mourning, they mourned the appropriate time. And then they began to write songs about miracles and how God's the healer. Why? Because in the season of tension where there was cognitive dissonance in their heart that says, God, you can do anything you want to. Why won't you do this? Have you ever prayed a prayer like that before? God, you could just say the word and it would change the situation. I know. Yet it's not happening. Does it mean that God doesn't care? Does it mean God isn't faithful? No. No. Does that mean we should change what we believe according to what's happening in our life? No. Never. <laughs> nunca, nunca, nunca. Never. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Spanish. Heard when I was... When I was in Spanish class, I heard that a lot. <laughs> My teacher was like, nunca, nunca, nunca. No, no. <laughs> what are you saying, white boy? Oh. <laughs> Here's an example in Scripture of cognitive dissonance where when you read this from Paul, you're like, man, Paul was ridiculous. He was crazy. He doesn't even make sense here. It was like Dr. Seuss writing. Romans 7, verse 14. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am flesh. There's that cognitive dissonance. We're spiritual beings living in the flesh. There's some tension going on there, right? Sold into sin. Verse 15. For what I am doing, I don't understand. For I am what I am practicing, for I am not practicing what I'd like to do, but I'm doing the very thing that I hate. <laughs> but if I do the very thing I don't want to do, then I am saying I am agreeing with the law and I'm confessing that the law is good. 
So now, no longer am I the one doing it, but the sin in me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, in my flesh. For the willing is present in me, but the doing of the good is not. Some cognitive dissonance going on. And this is like the greatest apostle of all times. He wrote most of the New Testament. And he's explaining to them the tension that comes with the kingdom, right? He says, I find that the prince, uh, I find in the principle that evil is present. The one who wants to do good for I joyfully concur that the law of God is good in the inner man. But I see a different law in the members of my body waging war against the law of my mind, making me a prisoner to sin. Wretched man that I am. Who will set me free from this body of death? And if we stopped there, it'd be really depressing. Like, is there any hope for this cognitive dissonance that's going on? <laughs> the, the conclusion is, I'm double-minded and I'm wretched and there's no hope for me. But then he goes on and he says, verse 26 or 25, Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. There's the answer, right? So then on one hand, I find myself... With my mind, I'm serving the law of God, but I find with my flesh, I'm serving the law of sin. And then he doesn't quit there. He goes to chapter 8, which is one of our favorite verses to quote in the whole Bible. But it's really important we tie it back to chapter 7. So verse 1 in Romans 8. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus set me free from the law of sin and death, right? It says, for what the law could not do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh as an offering. And he condemned sin in his flesh so that the requirements of the law might be fulfilled in who? We can fulfill the requirements of the law because of Jesus in us, right? For who, those of us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the flesh. But those who are according to the Spirit set their minds on the Spirit. For the mind of, uh, set on flesh is death, but the mind of the Spirit is life and peace. Because the mind set on the flesh is hostile toward God. See, and when we, we go through these seasons where we have these thoughts that like, okay, I know that thought is not true. I know it's not true. It's, it's actually at war with God's thoughts. I, I want us to break it down even more. Like, when doubt comes in, in these seasons, we need to treat it like it's the worst kind of cancer there is. Because that little bit of doubt is a, is a warfare against the, the truth and the faith that we have. It, it literally is making war with it. And so even though it feels like, well, I'm just name it, claim it. I'm just saying what I have to say to get through. The, do it. Proclaim the truth over your life until you feel it again. Say it until you feel it. Because it, it, when you speak the truth, it makes war with those lies that have come in. Amen? However, you are not in the flesh... But in the spirit, verse 9, if indeed the spirit of God lives in you. Verse 11, if Christ is in you, through, though, the, uh, though the body is dead because of sin, your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised him from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. So in other words, when we crucify the flesh and the things that come with it, and we connect our spirit to the mind of Christ, our body dies, but then Jesus resurrects that body. So now our bodies can now obey what our spirit tells it to. See, cognitive dissonance often produces a feeling of discomfort, causing us to become motivated to try to release the tension. I want to point out these, a couple of things here. Many times, <clears throat> we make poor decisions there. We, we also often avoid situations and information that's likely to increase the tension. That hit me. When I, when I, heard, when I read that and went back over the notes, that hit me really hard. Because this is why so many people, we, we say, I don't want to pray anymore. 
I, I can't read the word. I don't, I don't want to. How many of you have ever honestly felt like, I just don't feel like I don't want to read the word. You know why those things happen? Because there's cognitive dissonance going on. And there's, there is something inside of us. There's a wound. There's an offense. There's, there's something where we've stopped believing it. So when we read it, it creates more tension. If we're not seeing the, the reality of the kingdom lived out in our life, then what does it do when we read about the kingdom? It, makes, it draws a, 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 a more bright line, the difference between the two. And all that seems to do is create more tension inside of us. So what many of us do is, well, I'm just going to go through the motions, but I'm going to stop this and I'm going to stop doing the things that I know to do because I just can't handle the tension anymore. I know there are people that I love very dearly through the last few years. I've seen them say, I'm walking away from the church. I'm walking away from, from, from these things because it just creates tension. I, I don't believe in healing. I don't believe in this. I don't believe in that. Why? Because my experience doesn't line up with the word. And when I read the word, it just makes me more miserable. So I just stop. Don't stop. It's a lie. It's a lie. I, no one will ever be able to stand and explain why there's healing here and there's not healing there or why there's deliverance here and there's not deliverance there. I know ultimately in some of those things, free will has a big, uh, is a big factor in these things. But it doesn't change the fact that God's the deliverer. It doesn't change the fact that God's the healer. And I can't let the tension of what I see move me from my belief system that says God's the healer. If anything, we need to become bulldogs in the spirit and say, you know what? If I'm not seeing it, then I'm going to dig in deeper into my belief that God's the healer until I see it. But instead, sometimes we just back off because we can't handle the pain. If I pray for one more person that doesn't get healed, it hurts too bad. And I can't handle the tension of that. So I'm going to stop praying for people. John the Baptist's parents angel appears to him and says the prayer that you no longer pray i've heard you why did he stop praying it because month after month elizabeth wasn't pregnant month after month it was not answered prayer so you know what it hurts too bad to pray this god it hurts too bad to ask you for this because i I keep feeling disappointed so i'm just going to stop asking don't stop asking we're not dealing with an unjust judge we're not dealing with a, a, a cruel king. We're dealing with the greatest father, the best father. And what the enemy does is he sows these lies inside and he tries to add to the tension that's inside of us. You see, there's some tension that's good that comes from God. And then there's some tension that we need to recognize. God didn't sow that tension into this, into this situation. The enemy sowed it. He's a liar. He's been lying from the beginning. He can't speak the truth. Even when he says the word of God, it's not true in his mouth. Amen? Let me take the second side of this. I don't know how much further I'll go today, but not only because of the cognitive dissonance that we feel do we stop doing right things that we know to do, Sometimes we give in to temptation because the temptation is so strong. Just to get it to shut up, we give in to it. I can't stop this thing. And the tension between, oh, I want to do what's right and, oh, I want to do what's wrong is so strong that that I'm just going to give in to shut up the wrong and it'll create this peace. That's the worst kind of surrender there is. The Bible says that we become slaves or servants to whatever is our master. So if I am in a place of tension between temptation and doing what's right, and I give in to the temptation, who's my master? Temptation. And, and Galatians says it is for freedom that Christ set us free. Look, come on, we, we, we didn't come into the kingdom to just be put back under bondage. He didn't give us so much for us to surrender it with such little fight. Think about that for a minute. Jesus Christ, the life he lived every day, the decisions that he made that kept him as the pure and holy sacrifice for 30 plus years on this earth where he always did what the Father wanted him to do and he always pleased the Father. He didn't do all of that so that you and I could become in bondage again so easily. 
So when we go through this, this cognitive dissonance, we either adjust our experiences in order to make them match our values and beliefs, or we adjust our values and beliefs to match our experiences. I said it a little bit before, kind of alluded to it, but if I say God's the healer and I don't see that he's healing, then maybe I just need to water down my belief in healing. That's, that's what we do. Or we force our experience to line up with what we know to be true. And that's what I want to see us do as a church. I want to see us fight. I, I, I want the Lord to breathe like this fighter mentality inside of us where we know what's true. I'm one of those, you know, uh, if you do those gift surveys uh, and all those things, it tells, you know, what you are. I, one of my highest strengths is belief. Like, when I believe, you're not going to move me. Like, I'm just not going to be moved. How many other people, you're, you're kind of like that. I want our church to be full of people like, you know what, I... I don't want to be dogmatic and, and not treat people well, but you know what? This is true, and I'm not moving away from it. And you can like it, you can lump it, as my dad used to say. This is true. It's, it's true, and I'm not backing off of it. And I want us to get that way over our lives, over our families. You know, we're, we're fighting through some things in, in, in my family, personal, my four, some things that we're believing God for, things that we're asking God for, for our sons and for our family. And I'm not going to be moved from knowing God is faithful. And Mandy's, we're not going to be moved from this. So you know what we're going to do? We're going to make adjustments in our life to show what we value, to line up with what we believe to be true. If someone's struggling in our family and they're having a difficult time, then we're going to reduce some things that we do that don't matter. And we're going to add some things that matter that solidifies and strengthens what we know is good and right and pure. If one of my sons is going through a tough season, is having a hard time, you know what? We're going to change the way we do life until my son gets back in, in where he needs to be. Using that example. Does that make sense? Cognitive dissonance. I know, God, I, I gave this child to you. He belongs to you. I know this. But I'm having a tough experience here that doesn't match up with what, with what we covenanted with you when he was a baby. You know, well, I'm not going to change. Well, maybe, maybe he's just not going to follow the Patterson lineage and be a minister. Okay, that's not true. He's going to be number seven in seven generation right there. Like, I'm six, if you don't, I'm sixth generation, they don't have a choice. Matthias and Josiah, they're going to be ministers, period. They may be marketplace. They may own a business. They may be a professional athlete, soccer, I don't care. But they're going to be a minister, period. It's just a fact. And so if I see them moving away from that, uh-uh. I'm st- this is what I believe. I'm not going to reduce what I believe to what I'm seeing. I'm going to cause, I'm going to force this by faith to become what God said it is. And it takes a lot of fight. It does. And I'm glad I look ar- around this room and I see people that are fighters. Because I know most of backgrounds where you came from. And for the, f- the fact that you're in this room right now shows that you're a fighter. You've gotten up off the mat time and time again. You didn't tap out. they Got you in an elbow, broke your elbow, you didn't tap out, and you're still here. Your elbow's hurting, your knee's hurting, you're broken, wounded, but you're still up, and you didn't tap out. And I look across the room, you didn't tap out. You're a fighter. So dig deep and find that fight again. We've been through a tough season. It's a tough season for, for the church across the world, not just in America, not just in the places where Christians are killed. It's just tough for the church right now. There is a spirit that's been sent to the earth to wear out the saints. It was told about in Daniel that he would wear out the saints if it's possible. Wear out the saints of the Most High. He's trying to do this. Don't quit. Find your second win, your 27th win, your 974th win. Find it. Dig deep. Don't quit. <laughs> See, the Lord can handle doubt. You know what Jesus did when he felt doubt in a room? He'd heal somebody. (laughs) Doubt didn't bother him. But unbelief, unbelief's a little bit different. Your doubts, they're okay for you to have them, but don't live with them. (laughs) Amen. Don't give them a key to your house, that kind of thing. Don't show them where the hide a key is or whatever. Like, you can have your doubts, but it needs to, you need to have them settled. Now, unbelief is a very different story. 
the Bible even teaches that unbelief would shut down the miraculous in the city where it says that because of their unbelief, Jesus only could do a few miracles. Whoa. You mean my lack of belief in him and, and to unbelief means I once believed it, but I don't now. It's beyond doubt. It's not like I'm wondering about this. I'm in a place of cognitive dissonance. Unbelief is where, no, I've been through cognitive dissonance and I've decided that this is not true anymore. When we do that, we, we have to go through a season where we repent for that. It's not, it's not just a doubt. It's not just a cute little doubt. It's, 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 a, it's a terrorist. Unbelief is a terrorist. It wages war on us. So if you feel like you've been slipping into unbelief, like, I just don't know if I believe that anymore. Maybe you've even said that. I just don't know about that anymore. That word anymore indicates that you're leaving something that you once knew to be true. Don't leave your first love. Don't leave the first truths that you discovered. A few weeks ago, Mandy read that. Go back and do what you did at first. We had a great talk this week, and she was saying, when I first came to the Lord, no one had to tell me to read the Bible. No one had to tell me to pray. No one had to tell me to, 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 to go to church and come to prayer meeting and be discipled. Like, I just did it because I knew that's what I needed to do. Yet we get saved over a long period of time, and then, and then everyone has to tell us to pray. And everyone has to tell us to read the Word. Go back. What have we unbelieved? Have we decided that we don't need Him anymore? Well, I used to believe that I needed you, Jesus, but now I don't. That's unbelief. I used to believe that it took all that to be right with God, but now I know because of his grace it doesn't take all of that. Come on, man. That's not true. It's, it will always take all of that to stay with him. Yeah, it's a free thing. He paid for it all. He gave us access. He, he just turned the keys of the kingdom to us, right? But it still takes all of that to stay there. It does. And we can't leave foundational things. We can't leave principal things because there's tension in our life. We can't back down from fighting for our families and say, well, we'll just, it's just easier to hit the reset button than to, to really fight through this. No, fight through it. <laughs> It's not the video game. It's not do-over. Fight through it. It'll be more valuable when you fight through it. I promise. How many know that's to be true? I can say that for Mandy and I. Fighting through things in our marriage made it value. It made it flavored. It was like the marbling on the steak. Let's go back to the steak. <laughs> like my kids sometimes are like, I don't know, there's too much fat. Like, dude, you don't understand. The fat on the steak is what makes it good. It's the flavor. Those seasons, those scars... It makes our marriage good. It makes our family good. It makes it smell beautiful. And when we talk about it, it puts weight behind our words. Amen? <clears throat> so don't back down. I have, uh, I'm going to close with this. Five things, and I normally don't do this, so it feels really odd to say it, but there are five things you need to do if you're in a place of cognitive dissonance. Right? What do I do if I'm experiencing the tension that comes with cognitive dissonance? Number one, cry out to the Lord. <laughs> we could just stop there. And that's it. Number one, just do it and repeat, cry out to the Lord. Cry out to the Lord. Uh, I'll try to, try to do this like, um, and not give all the details. But, um, so the other night, one of, my, one of my sons was really upset. Uh, about something that, that we're experiencing, something that we're going through. And he's really upset. And he starts to cry, but then he stops himself. Like, you know, we're, we're not supposed to cry, right? Even though their dad's a big crybaby. It's still this thing, still this thing inside of uh, boys. Well, they start to cry. They know, man, I, I got to stop this. I'm not supposed to cry. And something came over me, and I was like, no, baby, come here. You need to cry. Because he was experiencing cognitive dissonance. Like, he knows this is right, and what he's seeing is not right, and he's wounded in his heart over it. And he started to cry. And so I brought him close, and I said, baby, you need to let it out. You need to cry. And what did he do? He starts sobbing, crying. No, it was, it's beautiful. It sounds horrible for me to say that. <laughs> what a mean, what an evil dad. No, it was beautiful, beautiful to listen to my son bear his soul, cry out to the Lord. 
And so I got to teach him something I never thought of before. I've never thought to teach my kids. Sometimes crying is prayer. Sometimes you need to just let it out and cry out to the Lord. So I got to pull both my sons and teach them this lesson and say, you know what? What you're feeling right now is is tension between what you know should be and what is. And when you cry to God, you don't even have to say words. That's the Holy Spirit crying through your your soul is mourning. Your body's mourning. You're crying out to God. I say, guess what God does? He takes your tears and he bottles them up. Because they're precious to him. And he sits them. And every day when he looks at the tears, he remembers what's important to you. And he fights for you concerning your tears. So if you're going through some cognitive dissonance, that nothing seems to add up, cry out to the Lord. Bear your soul. Yeah, some of you need to right now. Just let it go. It's okay. Just let it out. You've been through a hard season. You've had some wounds. Just let it go. (laughs) I've never once seen someone cry out to the Lord and him not listen and him not respond. He's just good. If you're being ministers right now, just you check out and do what you need to do. And you can get the notes later for the other four because this one matters for you. Just let it go. You're not going to bother anyone here. You just do what you need to do right now. Yeah. I cried out to the Lord and he rescued me. I cried out to the Lord and he heard my petition. He fixed what was wrong. I cried out to the Lord and he gave me justice. Uh-huh. Cried out to the Lord and he gave me son and daughter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Rachel cried out for children. Give me children or kill me. And then the Lord remembered Rachel. Yeah, Lord. Y'all y'all continue. Just press into the Lord. I'm going to give you the other four real quick. After we cry out to the Lord, we have to repent. We have to change the way we think about things. And go back to the first things. Number three, identify what is true and what is a lie. If it's truth, apprehend it and hang on to it. If it's a lie, reject it like Dikembe Mutombo. And not today. Number four, so cry out to the Lord. Repent. Find the truth, find the lies. Number four, do the good you know to do. See, when we put our beliefs into action, it connects us to the supernatural. And it changes things, right? Number five, be accountable for your thoughts and your actions. So cry out to the Lord, repent. Identify what's true and what's a lie. Do the good you know to do and be accountable for your thoughts and actions. Rip your chest open and be completely raw and honest with somebody for your thoughts. Tell them, hey, this is what I've been thinking. This is what I've been feeling. It's safe. You can rip your heart open and tell somebody. And then once we've ripped our heart open and told them what's going on with our thoughts, then we allow them to celebrate or to challenge our actions. So we need both. When we're honest with someone and say, hey, this is what's going on, that all of a sudden partners us up. It links us together so that when I do something that lines up with godly beliefs, they get to celebrate with me. And what that does is it encourages me to keep going and doing the right. And if I do something that's not in agreement with what the Lord wants for me, they can say, hey, remember this? And it can bring us back into alignment. And it's not a mean thing. It actually saves our life. Amen? Would you stand? We're gonna clo- Mandy's going to close out for me. So we just want to open up the altar for ministry time and 
um, I was reminded of Second Corinthians ten five, and it says that. Um, well, we'll we'll go back. For though to three, sorry. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with have divine power to demolish strongholds. Uh, sorry, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Amen. And that's what I want to do. I just felt like, um, even just what Jared was saying at the end, opening up and, and um, you know, yeah, ripping up, bearing your soul, confessing one to another. This is this is the place to do it. So I want to, the altar call, I feel like, I know that even in pre-service prayer, really, we specifically were praying against lies and canceling assignments and and even um, doubts and, and things like that that may be waging war against us. And so that's the altar call. If you've been experiencing anything like that lately, I want to invite you to come and we're going to pray. We're going to anoint you. We're going to pray and we're going to leave that here. And we need to exchange. We need to get God's heart in God's mind. We need to get his thoughts on the matter. And I, you know, we were talking to one of my sons last night and was telling him, you know, every day we shouldn't allow a day and we shouldn't allow a moment, even just like our moments here together to go by where we don't allow ourselves to, to get whatever it is, whatever those, those fears, those worries, the doubts, the lies that we don't lay those things down. We should never allow a day to go by and and we lay our heads on our pillows at night and allow the sun to go down on our anger or allow the sun to go down on, you know, whatever it is, the doubts, the fear, the lies, whatever it is. So if, the way you know you can identify a lie is if there's a, if hope is void in a situation. So let me just pray, and then I'm going to open up the altar and invite you to come. We want to pray for you. <clears throat> um, Holy Spirit, we just invite you. We know you're here, but I just invite you to come and, and speak to every heart even now and expose, um, reveal to us um, any area that we've believed a lie in any area, Lord, any, any part of our heart that may be experiencing doubt, um, hopelessness, Lord, you came, you came and, and you did and went through all that you did so that we could live life victoriously. So we would have hope, um, So that when we go through hard times, we could receive from you comfort. We could receive truth. We could receive peace and hope, God. And um, and we don't want to live less than that, Father. We don't want to live less than that. And I just thank you, Lord, that that you're here. We thank you for your presence, that you've been with us. And we just invite you to, to reveal and expose, shine a light on the parts that don't belong inside of our hearts, God. Reveal any thoughts that maybe we've even partnered with, maybe even dreams that we stopped dreaming um, because of fear or disappointment. Lord, I just break that off right now in the name of Jesus. And, um, and I just thank you, Lord, that you are, doing, you are doing a good thing right now in us. You are doing a good thing right now. And we welcome you to do what you desire to do. We give you our hearts, Lord. We give you our minds. We submit and yield our minds right now to you. And anything exalts itself against the knowledge of you, God. We submit to your feet right now. add to that though the truth is if you are not if god has a standard for all of us if you are not working that standard we have we have believed a lie if you're not working on, i mean the way he's he's called you to walk in you have you have believed a lie somewhere that says i can just do something later for the lord and that's it i'm okay i can come to church whenever i want i can come to church late whenever i mean i can 
not, I mean, you have, you, have, you have believed a lie somewhere. You have believed a lie. Yes. So just, I mean, go into your heart. I mean, check, your, check yourself. I mean, ask yourself, where am I, I mean, where am I with God right now? Am I running to God or am I running? Am I taking a step, one step forward and two steps back? Or two steps forward and one step back? Is that what I'm doing with the Lord? If that's what you are doing with the Lord, you have believed a lie. You have believed a lie somewhere. And we want to pray for you. And ask the Holy Spirit to, to, to help you to identify what lie you have believed. Because you can't, you cannot, I mean, you cannot, you cannot resolve something that you don't know what it is. So ask the Holy Spirit right now to, to tell you, to reveal to you what lie you have believed, that you have held on to all, this, all these years. And let's break it. And once you know the lie, and the next question is, what is God's truth? What is the truth of God? Okay. So, yeah. So we, we pray for you. Good. All right. He's going to turn on some worship music. You guys, um, we invite you to come. I told you what the, the altars are for anything. It's open for anything. But I want to invite you to come, though. Um, and remember, we're going after, in this house, we're really going after breakthrough. We're really going after revival in us. Okay? And I don't ever, I honestly don't think we should ever leave and not have just got down on our knees and cried out to God to be really quite honest with you, okay? Whether you've, you're doing great or whether you're not, we're always in need of him. And a lot of times the challenge when we're doing good is to remain a novice and to remain humble and to remain grateful. So I just, I want to invite, I just want to invite everyone to, to bow before the Lord, come and get prayer. We'd love to pray with you. And um, let's go after breakthrough together.